Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So, I actually finally beat Nier Automata. Wow. But I haven't played any of Witcher 3 yet, so we can't compare it to that. But, um, so yeah, uh, I guess this is going to be an episode completely about Nier Automata. And it's really tough to talk about without spoiling anything. Should this just be a spoiler episode? Uh, I think we should give a quick summary, I guess, in that it is a Square Enix uh, published and produced, I guess you could say, uh, action role-playing game developed by Platinum Games. The creative director is Yoko Taro, who is a very interesting man. Very interesting. Um, now he's kind of made a note of like wearing what people would view as a weird kind of creepy moon mask. And yet before that, like when he was discussing Jack and Guard 3, he only talked into the camera with a sock puppet. So this is, it's kind of his, he doesn't it's, like to make public appearance. Is kind is of a, a step deal. up or a step down? Lateral. Lash is a lateral move. It's a lateral the, move. The weird... But it's, it, it's a good kind of weirdness because he's got a weird... He's also got a funny sense of humor. A very kind of sort of dark, self-deprecating, but a sense of humor. But either way, I like Yoko Taro um, because uh, I played Nier, I played Guard 3, and now Nier Automata or Automata? Like Automata? Automata. I don't know. I, don't, I think because they're Japanese and the way their language works, they've been saying automata. Okay, so, yeah. near automata. Definitely, I was looking forward to it, especially because Platinum Games was doing the action, which is usually where um, the the French, like the original near, kind of had issues, and the Dragon Guard series, like they're not bad, but they're not really as polished. They're not as right great performers they're clearly less budgeted so, i mean what i think what you what you had what you had with drakengard and then i think especially with near is you had some unique ideas you had some really cool ideas like you know the the mix of dragon combat and air and land air dragon would be air and land combat yes which is more typical hack and slashing whatever action style and in near you had the mix of bullet hell and text adventure, even. text adventure. It was, and, I mean, that's one of the great. That's and one flat, of the, and old school platforming. Yes, and yes. you had you had a whole bunch of different stuff all rolled up, but the actual combat itself from Drakengard one through the first near, uh, through Drakengard three, I guess. Yes, uh, it was always a little flat, uninspiring. For, for me, it was always good enough. Yeah, it was good enough. It was always good enough. Like, I didn't hate it. I could still get through. Um, the one thing I will say is that, again, like because Nier crossed so many genres, and even Guard 3, you can say there's a little bit of Panzer Dragoon in there. So there's... Yoko Taro loves a lot of different games, and he loves to kind of mishmash genres when he makes a game. And Platinum Games does the same thing. Right. So it was kind of a, a perfect fit where you have this creative director that has these kinds of ideas. Like He's got a much more story-focused approach than Platinum, but in terms of the game design, he does have a lot of similar philosophies. So when you play Nier, Nier Automata, it kind of simplifies it down from what Nier was. It doesn't stretch as many genres, but there is a primary focus on the action combat and the bullet hell. And the way they fuse and combine is really good. And they managed to make, like, the... the and another trend of these games is they have multiple endings. Uh, usually a sort of New Game Plus thing going on. So, yeah, the first time you play through it will be mostly one kind of gameplay. Then it kind of shifts over. And that was that was really well handled. Um, the the differences between between the, the playthroughs. That was, I think, a weak point of the original Nier was it was sort of just felt like slogging through the same thing again yeah when the second time through it was you at least got some new story elements as you played and you don't start from the very beginning in the original year right um but it you are you don't start from the very beginning and there were some new story elements but the nothing really changed up in the and there were new areas but the where the gameplay you, the gameplay itself especially when you started hitting some of the repeated areas, like the um, 
the Shadow Lord's castle. Yeah. That that was that just felt like a slog the third and fourth time. Like, okay. Yeah, and it's not just that. They also required you to get like all the weapons and to upgrade all the weapons and stuff like that in order to get some of the different endings. And that felt a bit Well, I mean, like, honestly, for a lot of people it was like get up to ending B and then YouTube the rest. Because yeah. everything else, I mean, it, it really is a chore. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a grind. Um, um, but Near Automata, though, it does... It, it is one of those games that I love because I always... I hate the fact that right in, like, Even still today, like, it's been going since I was in uh, college for the most part, which at this point was over ten years ago. Um, the... You, you have people that are either all about mechanics or all about story. And it's like, you have to either be all, like Gone Home and Firewatch or a point-and-click adventure, like the Telltale games. You have to be like that, where it's minimal mechanics, but maximum on story. Or you gotta be like Half-Life, where y- you never leave the gameplay, or it's all mechanics or something. Um... It's like you can't. It's like there's 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 a cost to having one or the other, right? And like, you can never have a balance, right? Or, or like something like Devil May Cry, where you've got a story, but it's not really well written. Nobody's nobody's there for the story. Yeah, and that's how a lot of games are. And with Nier Automata, what you had was you have this in, incredibly fun mechanics that you don't mind going back to, um, and you don't mind the fact that this is a you want to get all the endings, this is what, a 30 hour long, 30 plus hour long potentially? Yeah, for me it was about 30 to 40s. Yeah, 40. action action game, where with a lot of where a lot of action games you're going to be bored with the mechanics and everything else by the time you're you know, 12, 15 hours in. Yeah, unless you have to ramp up the difficulty a lot, which is how a lot of people, like, they'll go back to like In Devil May Cry or Bayonetta they just go back and play the harder difficulties where they throw in harder enemies, uh, different kinds of tricks. Nier Automata doesn't do that because they do want you to play the story, but it's more than that. And we'll, we'll have to get a bit more into it at the uh, when we talk about the ending, because mm. you had something you wanted to bring up there. Uh, but it, it makes mechanics that fit for certain characters, and it also does blend the emotion of the story with what's going on in the gameplay. And it it, it it works. Like, there's games that do it just... It's, it's one of those so games hard that to talk about. about. Yeah, it, it, it is so hard to talk about without going into spoilers. Yeah. So at this point, but I mean, it is... Just um, for, for example, like, I'll give... I think this is a relatively square thing. The game cripples you at multiple points and forces you to play where you're you lose an ability or something like that but always fits in really well and it always it always makes sense and in in case of uh, one boss fight in particular a very important one it actually also forces you to rethink your approach to the battle is the best way i can really put it yeah like you you have to play much more defensively at that point at first, maybe you'll die a lot, you know, screw up, but you figure it out. I mean, some, sometimes it is that old school kind of, you know, it's got a little death. bit of old school you've got, But it. you've got good checkpoints, too. Like, the, if you die on the boss, you don't necessarily go back to the right. beginning of the fight. That was actually one thing I especially appreciated, and I think one of the fights you're talking about, at least, where the checkpoints work a certain way for the main game, and they switch it up for the boss fights where there's a there's a they change the checkpointing up so that it, you don't get stuck in a loop or get really frustrated. Yeah, uh, with all that. So I think I mean that's really about all we can say without with, uh, without yeah. spoilers. So uh, clearly, this this is actually probably going to be my game of the year so far. So yeah, if, I'm, uh, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. Yeah, and I played Breath of the Wild. You played Horizon Zero Dawn, and Near Automata in a lot of ways trumps, but not mechanically. I will say that. Mechanically, Breath of the Wild does trump Near Automata, but it's that combination of things. It's like I want to go back and play more of Near Automata, whereas the hard mode DLC of Breath of the so I 
and keep cutting you off because I'm not dumb because I'm rude like that. That's right. Uh, I'm, I'm about to interrupt you, so just uh, it's, yeah, it's just <laughs> we'll get good at this eventually. <laughs> um, but yeah, then then uh, I mean, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it's got really good mechanics. It's really fun with what it does, but it's also a very obvious loop. It is a very obvious kind of gameplay loop. And while I love, it is the ideal open world game in a lot of ways. And the narrative does have some nice things about it. Near Automata makes me want to come back because the story is so deep. I want to get into all the themes of it. I want to see how everything works together. And in some ways, you know, what happens if I make a slightly different choice? Right. Um, and that's where, since you got to compare it to Breath of the Wild, Horizons You Are Dawn is, from a technical perspective, blows... <laughs> blows near Automata out of the water, um, but again, uh, like you said, with the with the gameplay loops, I felt like it was very easy to sort of break the combat in Horizon Zero Dawn, where they gave you there was you know a dozen different ways to go about encounters, whereas near Automata was like this is the combat, this is the style, this is how you do it. And so there was just something it was more satisfying in, a, in some ways. I can see where, but yeah. it, as a cohesive, satisfying experience, it was just, yeah, nothing has topped it so I, I think we are also uh, selling Near Automata a little short in terms of its combat, because there are a couple things that it does well, one of which I didn't really experiment with the different weapons, but you can actually do a lot of cool stuff with a spear you can't do with a regular sword. Right. I usually just use spears as like the secondary um, weapon, but there's also the chip aspect. You can equip your character with chips, you can fuse and uh, increase the right. powers of chips, and basically partway through, I was a self-regenerating like robot killing machine. Like right. Was, so I had multiple. I, I ran with multiple chip sets that which I which is how you at. should do. Yeah. And so I had a like an exploration set, um, which gave me all the HUD elements and and some basic regeneration in combat. And then I had a like a boss fight configuration mm -hmm. where like this is cool. They let you sacrifice HUD elements. Like your HP bar, the enemy HP bar, other things for power. And then I had an emergency chipset, which was all regeneration, basically. I feel like I should do something more. Because like, I was thinking uh, something slightly different that might be a little too spoilery. Like, again, we don't know how far I want to go here. Uh, but no, the, um, that actually gives me thoughts because I didn't really make use of the different configurations. And you bring it up like that, and it's like, man, you know what? I really... I want to do it on hard mode now, mm -hmm. so I'm forced to think harder about that kind of thing. So, I mean, it is an RPG after all, so it does focus on that level of customization. Yeah. So the 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 melee combat's going to be simplified enough. Um, is basic dodge mechanics kind of a deal? You hack and slash through enemies. Just make sure you don't get hit, and they have very no, obvious tells. Find, yeah, find the weak point. I learn the tells to dodge. How many of them have weak points? Well, like not necessarily weak points, but the the larger enemies will do things like, well, you can't hit them while they're doing this. Okay, yeah, or yeah, like yeah. they have only um, only the heavy attacks work while they're in this stage. Yeah, or that kind of thing. And then there's the uh, the snake thing. So right, the yeah. snake things that have a specific weak point. And but any, anyway, there's there is a lot. It's a deep combat system. Um, yeah. But I'm just I'm thinking comparing it to when you compare the combat to something like Horizon Zero Dawn, where you have not just like a spear attacks like this and an axe attacks like this and a sword attacks like this, you have like, okay, well do you want you have a long ranged sniper bow and you have basically a shotgun and you can add elemental effects to all of these and you have yeah. to balance your elemental effects. So that you use the right elemental, then you can overload certain enemies by using certain elemental effects. And that's... Nier doesn't kind of go in that kind of, like, let me spend ten minutes planning out this encounter kind of kind of depth. It's more yeah. just that the depth is in, you know, the immediate visceral aspects of the combat. 
Uh, well, it's a different kind of customization, I would say, but either way, I mean, that's generally, we, we're both clearly play, very pleased with Nier Automata, um, so if you don't want to hear any spoilers, if you know that you're going to want to play this game, now's the time to shut off, but be sure to leave comments on uh, facebook.com slash ramblepack64 or gamertag.net where you can find all of my little blog posts and stuff, or at sign me at Twitter. Uh, C. Cesarano. I don't even want to spell that right now. Uh, C. Cesarano. Uh, give it a few tries in the search box. You'll find me. And you still don't use your Kosami Twitter. I, I, I am never on Twitter, yeah. I, I apologize. You're probably better off for it. I, I am. Every now and then I see what's going on on Twitter, like the big trending stuff, and I'm like, oh, I should never, should ever, stay out. never ever tweet, because somehow a- I'll end up being one of these people that loses their job or something because they tweeted yeah. something dumb. Um, Twitter is a dumpster fire that takes place in a pool that everyone wants to swim in. Either either that or I'll get doxxed and somebody will set my house on fire. Oh, there's that too. Yeah. I'm not sure which is more likely. And your house will be the dumpster fire. <laughs> there is Either way, there's a dumpster fire either going way, on. there's a dumpster fire. So spoilers. Let's talk about spoilers. All right. Now we're, now we're down. Yep, we're down in the nitty-gritty spoiler time. Um, what do you want to spoil first? Oh, God, I don't even know. So I think we're, we're talking about mechanics, and we're trying to get around talking about this. But in the game, you play as two different characters, depending. So you play through... Well, the three. Three. Three characters with two really distinct combat styles between the three of them. Um, There's well two E... Two e oh, t- uh, I should say 2B. Uh, <laughs> 2B so, and A2 are both relatively the same in that they're primarily uh, melee-focused. Right. A2 has some differences between, from 2B. Uh, A2. 2A? A2. 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 Uh, A2, Brute. Exactly, um, yeah. <laughs> as we spoke about. Um, yes, he has some differences, but the primary combat between 2B and A2 is very, very similar. Um, whereas 9S adds... At the time, it's a very much needed um, wrinkle into the break. combat. It's a really much needed break. Because you play through, when you go through the game, you play through the first block of the game and get an ending. Ending, I'm putting big air quotes on that. Yes. As as uh, 2B. Yeah. It's, and then it you go be... back to the beginning and you play, now you play that whole first section again as 9S. And you get 9S's perspective on... The events, so you get some fresh things, but 9S's combat is different because he lacks in a heavy attack. He has no heavy attack. He's only got the one regular button. And while I've been told, evidently, if you give him a spear, he can actually be pretty good in melee, I never did because what you can do instead is you can hack enemies at any time. Um, and the hacking we- brings you into a, a, a schmuck. Mini game, yeah, a bullet hell shooter. It's a twin stick bullet hell shooter, and for most regular enemies, like the smaller enemies, it's very simple. You just shoot this core thing that's blasting bullets, and once you defeat the core, the thing blows up. Some bigger enemies take two hits like two, that. Two, three, four. Uh, the bosses are the only ones that take more than two, or the gold plated ones. The gold-plated ones yeah. take a lot of there's, uh, there hacking. Are odd, there are odd enemies that take some more, but yeah. One of the things that I liked to do when I came to the hacking was kind of picking and choosing which enemies I attacked because when they exploded, there's an area of effect going on. Right. So they, they explode those around them. So it's a little tough. Like, I forget which button you're supposed to toggle which one you're locked on to. But, I mean, you, you, if you can do that well enough, then you can actually get through a fight in less time than it would take to hack and slash through all of them. Oh, def- absolutely. So, yeah, so with... So it's kind of like there's also this element where you're always shooting in the combat. So you're, holding down part, one, yeah. you're holding down one button to shoot, and then with, uh, with 2B or A2, you're switching between a heavy attack and a, and a light attack to get mowed through enemies, which those attacks can be different based on your weapon. With 9S... You're moving between shooting, melee attacks, essentially only light melee attacks, and hacking. And yeah. it's and I it's honestly, all, I would not have believed it, but it's all totally fluid. And it's never I, I 
I thought it was going to be annoying that I'm going to get tired of moving in and out of this hacking mini game yeah. and combat, but it's so fluid. It, it's just perfect. Now I will say if you're not a fan of the arcadey kind of shoot 'em up game, you might get tired of it. Um, cause I've also already spoken with some people that they're not really big fans of shoot 'em ups and they usually had trouble with the hacking cause on a, on one hand, it, I I never found the hacking too difficult. The punishment was only like like if you failed, then you take a chunk off your health bar, but it's not a like, huge chunk. Yeah. And if you got a lot, enough of the auto healing on, then by the time you're done your next hacking attempt, it's already healed back up. I, I, so. mean, I can imagine some of the later portions and boss fights being difficult, where you're you're thrown into. The hardest version of the hacking minigame multiple times. Yeah. And, and even, I, I was pretty good at it, but I would kind of cycle through, because it, there's multiple sort of setups. And so sometimes yeah, you'll just... Stages, you can call them. Yeah, stages. You'll kind of cycle through, where you'll lose one stage a couple times, then it'll give you a different stage. I'm like, oh, I'm good at this stage. And yeah. It, it happens, but it was always a lot of fun for me. And I also always ended up trying different strategies for each stage, too, which was nice, and... It's also nice to actually say that um, they kind of prepare you for the hacking minigame anyway because it controls exactly like not hacking shoot 'em up segments right. where you're in like the sort of mech plane flight suit and this you do as both as 2B and 9S um, outside of the hacking completely where you're just shooting down stuff. This is where I didn't really hack as 9S except for like some parts of the bosses where they let you. Yeah. Uh, as long as you're in a shmup section as 9S, you're completely good. Like, he's powerful enough as is. It doesn't help to really hack things. Um, but with 2B, when you're doing the very first uh, route through the game, they have plenty of these segments, and they introduce the idea that there are darker orbs, I guess you could call it, darker lasers, projectiles, whatever, that you cannot shoot down with your bullets, but your bullets go through. And then there are the lighter-toned ones, which you destroy so you can avoid getting hurt but at the same time you your bullets are stopped so right, it blocks your fire it blocks your fire so it's you can get into one of those like uh like anime power struggles where like the one guy's shooting and like going back and yeah. forth until you finally blast him it basically yeah. means change your position until you can get an opening right or um, that but uh, they, they implement that in the hacking minigame, and they don't have to really explain it at all too much. They ex no. The only thing they explain is that um, when you've got these enemy little, I guess you could call them ships during the hacking game, or you got little towers, you got to destroy all those before the core removes its shield. And the core is usually what's most difficult, depending on how it's pumping out these little laser bullets. Right. And that's where it's only got a, hand, a handful of patterns. So even if the stage changes, if you recognize the pattern, then you have a general idea already of how to dodge everything. It's just how do you deal with it while avoiding everything else, like all the other obstacles. And that's where, for me, it was a great way of keeping the bullet hell and hacking different and interesting. And it basically made the next 10 or so hours playing as 9S it really did breathe new life into the game because after getting the first ending, yeah, switching up to being 9S was nice, but then once it got to side quests, I was feeling it drag a little bit and needed to take a break. Um, but that I, I have to do that with any of these long-form games at this point, and it's a great way to actually keep yourself from hating a game and wanting it to end. Um, and you play something else and you're like, man, I wish I was playing here right now. It kind of Yeah, that's kind of what happened. Yeah, so I think, and all of these, what, one of the things I, I love, love, loved in this game, and uh, I was talking about that we should do an entire episode about our, our gaming pet peeves. One of, my, <laughs> one of my biggest gaming pet peeves is where modern games, typically, you introduce mechanics, even older games, so you oh, introduce yeah. mechanics one at a time, and you, you build on these mechanics that you've added. Um... Now, one of my big pet peeves is when games decide, hey, you know what, let's throw all this crap out the window for the end of the game and give you a last boss fight that's like a quick time event sequence or 
something totally different. What Nier does almost perfectly is throw everything you've done so far in the game. The, the sh bullet hell shmup, the combat, the hacking, the, the, even the, the strategies you're using in the fight and says, do all of these things all at the same time. And it's, well, like, yes. it's not even, this is again where it comes to the mechanics fusing with the narrative because they, they, they keep switching between A2 and 9S as they're fighting these two different enemies and you just instantly switch from one enemy to the next to the next. Like, you keep switching characters and the actual fights you're having, the amount of time you spend in that character grows shorter and shorter as the fight is reaching its next final stage where they want you to feel the rising action. Like, it's you are approaching the end. You are going to be at the, the, the big climactic battle soon and they want you to feel that kind of adrenalized uh, excitement. This is a big crescendo. Yes. Um, and it's it's really... And, and this is where I think we can talk about a little bit about the, the art of the game. Um, from the music and everything else, where that's another All piece that... All the music that, really helps. The, yeah. That fits in. So, like, one of the cool things... Yeah, the, the music is is great throughout. It's very atmospheric. It always is in the Yokotaro games. Yeah. It's it's very atmospheric, and it one of the things it, lo it loves to do is you have like a, a really low key theme, and then you get into combat, and now we've like added a layer of intensity on top yep. of a low key theme, and you get out of it, and it sort of fades back, and it's sort of like you make your own. And when you hack, that backdrop becomes a chip tune. Right, it goes chip tune when you hack. <laughs> so it's almost like you're like some kind of crazy. Funky combat DJ, um, <laughs> like weaving a, a track to, uh, and and it really, and again at that climax point is one of the the highlights there, where you have again the the story is coming to its climax, the the gameplay is creating this great sense of urgency by switching you between styles and and bringing together everything you've done. For the last 30 hours or however long it's been. Um, and the music is right there with you. Uh, pushing you along. And it's really... Uh, it's a great soundtrack too. Like I think you might be able to buy it on Amazon Store. I'm not sure. You might only have to uh, be able to import it. It's like three CDs and plus a, bo a fourth bonus one. Mm -hmm. For the hacking music. And there's one, <laughs> there's one particular track that stands out on the multiple playthroughs. Um, I, won't, I won't spoil the whole sequence, uh, but there is a, a sequence where the, the rope, the, um, shoot, not the androids. What are the, the robots? The machines. Machines, yeah, yeah machines. machines. The machines, yeah. Sorry, I, I finished the game like a month ago, so I forget things. <laughs> but the machines, uh, this one sort of crazy religious cult of machines they want to become as gods and there's this this track they that and that's the that's sort of the theme is that, you know in the background you do this like machine voice saying become as gods uh and so it was cool to it was just a cool section of the game but then you go back and you go on your second playthrough and now a sort of uh so you go back to the beginning of the game and you catch this little bit of this tune now as as character and plot developments are introduced. Um, and, and all of a sudden it adds this extra twist to it. When when you now you've when you've seen the final version, heard the final version of the song, um, it's at the, the birth of Adam and Eve. Oh yes, yes. So yes, they yes, bring yes. back so and since you're playing through it again, it feels like they're bringing back this tune, Become as Gods, as these sort of machine gods are born. Ah, I but see. Without the, without the the subtext. And it's a, it's a really cool way that they use the music to, to remind you of different things and tie yeah. together different plot points. And that's actually a really good thing to bring up in general. Firstly, because... Again, for Yoko Taro, music is always a big deal. He's one of the voices that ends up singing towards the very, like, big 
crescendo portion of the end credits, like the real end credits. Um, like he and some of the other developers lended their own voices to the choir. Um, That's but uh, more so than just that, he always wanted to do a boss fight. He said in one in developer interviews. I always wanted to do a boss fight that was timed with music. And that's where you have the... And it's in like a lot of the trailers. They advertise it because it's a very early fight. with it, From the amusement park. the oh. One of the dress. Yeah. That, if you if you pay attention to the, the, the phases of the attacks, they're all timed with the boss music. I think eventually they kind of change and break away from that. But yeah, at the very least for the first phases and stuff, they are. Um... So it actually ended up being really cool to know that, uh, really cool to experience that kind of thing. But that's the thing. He, he, it is a game that takes all kinds of elements and mixes them together, interestingly. So again, like this has themes of things like duality and du- duplicity. The duality works in some cases mechanically because well firstly you're switching between two different characters kind of a deal you always have your pod you have two different weapons to choose Mm. from in one case um i mean most of it is through narrative and uh narrative theme though um the 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 idea of having two androids uh the idea of having two gods and it's even like for as far back as devil and popola kind of a deal it's like everything's in pairs kind of a way. Mm-hmm. A2 doesn't have a specific pairing, but Animone you can see as being a pairing to her. The right. two of them going completely different directions where A2 starts off in a sort of leadership role when Animone meets her, and then A2 becoming a loner, you know, abandoning community, abandoning all these things, and becoming a sort of killing machine. Whereas Animone goes the opposite direction. Animone becomes a leader, surrounds herself with other androids. And now the two of them represent a sort of duality, a sort of divide. Interesting. Yeah, there's lots of... The the whole, all the little bits of philosophy that they sort of crammed in there. Yeah. There's there's some obvious surface level stuff. Like, because this, this is all about... Essentially, um, machines, androids, artificial life. Honestly, the learning to essentially learning humanity. Right? Yeah, the, the simplest way is the simplest way to put it is finding a purpose to live, finding like a reason to live, like why live at all, kind of a deal. Right. So to get into really heavy spoilers now, really really heavy spoilers. Like mute this thing for a minute if you don't want really heavy spoilers. So the whole purpose. Well, hold on, I'm gonna say we just at this point just, just go away if you don't want spoilers. We're gonna spoil the hell out of this thing. So hopefully you've played the game, you've you've seen most of this stuff, and uh, you just want to hear more about it, or you're just curious about it and you want the whole thing. You spoiled. don't mind spoil spoilers, and it will actually help you look for these things on your next playthrough. Right. So big shock. The, the whole idea was that the androids were defending the last human colony on the moon from the machines who were created by alien invaders. All the aliens are dead. All the humans are dead. Now, the funny thing is, I knew the humans would all be dead. That was just kind of obvious to see. Right. Like, it's like, oh, we're defending humanity. Humanity's dead. Like, five minutes into the game, I already know that much. Right. I figured there were no aliens. So that was kind of a surprise to us on me. Aliens, right? Yeah, I, I was kind of in the same boat. But that's again whole... duality and duplicity. For machines, they don't know. Actually, yeah, it's the same thing. Like machines, most of the machines, like Pascal and stuff, none of them know that the aliens are actually all dead. And likewise, the androids, none of them know the humans are all dead. The reason both sides are fighting are dead. Right. There's no like all their their predecessors are dead, so, and yet the the, the lie is carried on because hmm. the lie gives reason. It's, it's right. It gives reason and purpose. So the androids have their only purpose is to protect the humans, the last humans living on the moon, which not well, there, not which there. are not which are not actually there, and they even basically so pretty much say out loud that. 
they didn't tell them that they were gone because then they wouldn't have any purpose. Exactly. Yeah. This was they had to so give some them of it. Some of it spelled out loud, and that's what I kind of dislike sometimes. Not well. Okay, I shouldn't say dislike. It's just with Japanese media, they like to have their monologues at the end that explain. Okay, this is exactly what it's about. And for a lot of times, it's like, well, that 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 just robs me of my pretensions. Like I no longer <laughs> feel smarter than other people for figuring this stuff out ahead of time but at the same time a lot of anime aren't as deep in how they execute these ideas as near automata is right um as I said, this stuff's interwoven very tightly uh you as i said to you like there's there's some shakespearean tragedy thing here and potential draws from shakespeare i mean again like they, the, the the game itself kind of draws on the whole to be or not to be when it comes to to be's name. The first half of the game you're to be, and the second half you're not to be. Oh my god, <laughs> that is such a dad pun. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. That that is not canonical. That is no, no. <laughs> it's We're true not, though. No, it, <laughs> to be is not to be because to be is to e. But wait, but actually. <laughs> But actually, A2 is 2B, right? Doesn't A2 absorb 2B's, like, memories? A2 is 2B and not 2B. A is and again, like, 2B is not 2B because 2B is 2E. So, holy... Uh, I, don't, I don't... See, this is where it could be just overthinking. This is the problem with, like, deeper analysis clearly... where it's like, is this, is this like... Come on, in, in a game about the, the nature of existence and purpose... If they didn't, where want everyone us, meets a tragic end, like the Shakespearean right. tragedy. If they didn't want us to to talk about to be, if they were, didn't want meaning something like that, I, I don't know what. I don't know. They they must have meant something. And though. again, like what, what, what we what I joked about with you, where in Japanese, if you pronounce a two, it's going to sound more like a two, a two, which a two brute, which is not what Caesar actually said. It's from. Shakespearean play, Julius yeah, Caesar. Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. Oh God! But that's 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 not entertain all that. We've already spent too much time on that we stuff. Have, we already have. I hope people um, are laughing. One of my one of my favorite. It, it's it just cracks me up. Is um, if you're, you know, somewhat familiar with, um, various philosophers of the last few hundred years, uh, you probably know Pascal was a. Um, very religious um, and he's sort of known for um, what is it Pascal's Gambit that basically you should believe in God because if you don't then you go to hell forever and if you do believe in God or if you don't believe in God and he's not and he is real you go to hell forever if you do believe in God and he's not real you just die and that's it and that's all it would have been anyway <laughs> um, so very uh, whereas Engers was a leave uh, an associate of Karl Marx, and so he's here's a uh, atheist collectivist philosopher. So there's a point in a game where you are controlling a robot named Pascal, controlling a giant robot thing, and there is another giant robot named Engers. So you have a uh, I didn't see its name. Yeah, his name is Engers. So you have a sort of a Christian. Uh, individualist philosopher versus a collectivist atheist philosopher punching each other in the form of giant robots. That is a really good catch because as again, I am pretentious. I am woefully underread in matters that are actually important. So that is actually a really good catch because I think Yoko Taro is definitely familiar with some of this kind of philosophy. Oh yeah, stuff. Oh, I'm sure you wouldn't have put that in the game. And if you course, weren't familiar with if you're right. it. And, and it, it fits, too, because, again, Pascal disconnects from the network and leads a bunch of other machines to be pacifists, to stop fighting, to be individuals, to find their individuality. And the machines that he ends up fighting are part of the network still, driven by this collective, just, just here, go kill things. I right. mean... So, and yeah, he is finally, and that, that's actually kind of a tragic and yet very empowering moment when Pascal is forced to break from his pacificity. Mm. And in the end, it doesn't, he's trying to save 
these children robots and he fails to do so. And which again, this is where I mean Shakespearean tragedy. Like what he's fighting to do, he cannot help because he taught them about fear. Like that kind of self-defeating like that it is heartbreaking and yet evidently you had the most heartbreaking resu- end result of the same. I had the most heart uh so so you're presented with the option with Pascal. So he has led this group. They've all been slaughtered. And then... And including the children, essentially, at this point. And it's all his fault, basically. Um, and he says, basically, you can kill me. Please kill me or wipe, wipe my, my memories. memories. Now, I took the third option. Which is not Which is provided. not stated. And I just walked away. And left him there alive with the knowledge and the memory of everything that now, happened. You said he did, did he He cries after you to, to come, come back and, to come back and kill him. That is heartbreaking. I I wiped his memory, but there's that that's actually a bit heartbreaking too, because if you wipe his memory, you can switch back over to playing his 9S. because uh, the two characters are completely separated, but they're kind of going through things at the same time. And Nines can go back to Pascal's village, where he's the only thing remaining, and his memory's been wiped, and he's selling machine parts, including children's cores. And I don't know if they're used for anything, they're very expensive, but the fact that he has lost his memories, that all these things that were once meaningful to him, he's now just selling because he has nothing else to do with them. That it's, itself is kind of heartbreaking. It does make me wish you kind of just killed him. Maybe, maybe that's the the thing to do. I don't know. It's kind of that's kind of nihilistic. I kind of felt like I felt like I, I could not kill him, and I felt like like you said. So if if you leave if you wipe his memory, I felt like he would sort of like he would he would like he would make the same. He would just end up in an eternal cycle or something. He might. Of, he might. Of yeah, I'm gonna build this village, and everyone's gonna die, and I'm gonna wipe my memory, and I'm gonna build this village, and everyone's gonna die, <laughs> and I'm gonna wipe my memory. I almost wondered if it had happened before. Now, when you got your real, real ending, and they had their slight kind of montage, like they don't actually, they let you know everyone's going to be alive, basically, not necessarily okay. Right. Did they show Pascal? I don't no. think so. I think they showed him in mine, but he he still wasn't the same Pascal. That's so. I guess like when are you talking about when the um, maybe that that does change a little. That's interesting. The um, I'm trying to remember now. It was late. It was like two in the morning when I beat it, so it's possible I missed something. That's like it seems like they're the um, the what do you call those things that shoot the guys that shoot? Oh, the little guy. Yeah, the um, little guys are like reassembling. All of 9S and 2B and A2 at the very end. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, you're talking about the pods. Yeah. The pods, yeah. They reassemble them. They kind of have them hold hands kind of a deal. Yeah. Um, now I think... Oh, man. There's so much to talk about story-wise. Because I'm like just thinking then about the relationship of 2B and 9S. Where, again, like duality, duplicity. There's two sides to 2B. Uh, part of that's the duplicity aspect of it, and again, it's 2B and 9S. And what you find out at the very end, and there's a little bit of hinting, like, if you do a side quest, then you learn about the E units, like the E model. The E model of Android is called, the, is basically E stands for Executioner, who their entire purpose is to go find other androids and, for whatever reason, annihilate them. 2B is actually 2E. And it's continually assigned to 9S because the 9S model has a tendency to become curious, to become emotional, and at some point kind of go rogue haywire, something like that. And you see this in the second half of the game, which is basically route C, D, and E. You see this happen. He, he, He becomes emotionally unstable. So you, you see this aspect of him within the game itself, and in the very prologue, you play another scenario where 
he doesn't realize he's meeting 2B again. Um, another thing that they do is they keep mm. doing the, 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 the memory thing. Like, that you can back up your memory in the bunker, which is where like, all the androids are headquartered, and you get downloaded into a new body. The idea is that 9S can't... Rem- like he, His memories are always wiped to a point where he he's kind of... Re- like Matt, uh, factory re- uh, standard, I guess you could say. Right, factory reset. So every time he meets 2B, he thinks he's meeting her for the first time. And you, when you start the game, think you're uh, as 2B meeting 9S for the first time. You think they're strangers, and not uh, 2B has this very professional sort of attitude about her. Whenever he tries to go casual, she's just very strict. Like, let's go back to th- how things are. I'm not calling but, you 9s. You're 9S. Yeah, you're not 9s. You're 9S. She slips once. There's yeah. one time where she slips. Um, and in that it, beginning prologue, it seems a bit jarring. It's like, well, hold on, because at the very end, like, they're about to die, and she's very emotionally calling for him, kind of a thing. Her, the facade slips, and with the ending of the a route and in some ways the b route once again two to b has to kill 9s and she says why does it all something along the lines of why does it always have to end like this hmm. and that's why when you find out that she's 2e like there's just this whole it, it's one of those things that completely changes your interpretation of the, the events of the right. story it's a very small detail and it's not one that like you, you, you now have better context for what's going on in the character's head. And you understand why she's distant. You understand why she's so emotional at certain parts. Because you have a feeling that she actually does care about 9S. But she has to keep herself right. distant. And she hates this this, this cycle. Yes. Uh, yeah, that is that is um, interesting. Yeah, that whole executioner... And that since he didn't get, and he had no one was there to execute him, he's now he's going crazy. Now he's going crazy. I also thought it was interesting. You can kind of see why, because when you play at nine S, you're always hacking in, and so it gives you well, you memories. Get- you gives you memories of everyone that you, all of the bosses that you destroy. Not necessarily all of them, well, but you most do gain of them memories. You get you get, a, you get a, a snippet of their memory or history. That wasn't that wasn't there the first time around with two B yes like the like the amusement park fight where it's like she's you get the entire motivation for why the android is so violent is right and it's it's always tragic yes always tragic well there's also matters where I believe if you hack into Adam at some point there is a point where you're either being hacked by Adam it might be when you normally fight Adam as two B. Where there's a hacking segment and he's talking to 9S and he even brings up the fact where he's ta- saying, you know, like, oh, you're attracted to 2B, huh? You kind of want to with her, right? And, you know, he kind of waves away, you know, shut up. But it does, like, by hacking into these machines, they do get to him eventually. Right. And there's, um, oh, there is one in, per- there is one in particular. I can't oh, remember which one that he's... Oh, the the suicidal ones, or the ones that okay, they're not quite suicidal. I think one of them finally jumps off the bridge, but they're having an existential crisis. There, it's a side quest, but there are several of them standing on uh, like high points. They look like they're about to jump. I never did that one. Um, you ba- you don't have a lot of options. You can basically like hack into them, and you hear their thoughts. And 9S at first is like, man, what, like, what kind of machine thinks this kind of thing? But eventually he starts asking himself the same questions. And the pod's sitting there like, yo, what are you doing? What are you thinking about that for? <laughs> and it's like, okay, never mind, never mind, sorry. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm myself yeah. again. But it is another, it is a, they use side quests to hint at some of the story stuff. Because, yeah, that explains that all this hacking isn't necessarily good for 9S. Because he's emotionally unstable, he's also very oh, not influential, susceptible. Susceptible. Yeah. I get, Yeah, I guess that's the. He's susceptible to he to getting the their emotions and. Yeah, easily influenced. So with, with near automata and why you started off this conversation saying this is your game of the year so far, 
I think what makes it so good, what makes it a game of the year, is everything we've just talked about, where we can we can talk about the gameplay and all the different facets of how well the game is crafted. We can talk about the artistic merit of the, the music, the designs, the story, and we can talk about the philosophy and other things that are woven into that story and how each of those pieces really brings, enhances every other piece. Uh, yeah. Where they, where the, the story, the gameplay never feels disconnected from the story. Uh, yeah. Or even the, like I said, the, the, the philosophical elements of it. Um, and the music is always there to enhance that. And some of the some of the designs of the, the areas are, are are really good too, um, in terms of that. So it just really it's a it's a total package sort of game. The only thing I feel like is maybe slightly lacking is the technical graphical end of it, where it's not it's it's not worth striking a mark against it. Um, but you come off. A, a Horizon Zero Dawn or something like that, and I, it. Well, I feel like the difference between the two games is Horizon Zero Dawn is going to be a locked 30 frames a second, right? And I feel like even on a regular PS4, not a PS4 Pro, but a regular PS4, this game runs. I think it runs at a higher frame rate. Most likely, I feel like it does. It's got a better performance going on. It is. I mean, and here's the thing: Near Automata is clearly a lower budget game. Right. Oh yeah, it's um, not. It's not a. It's it's not a big AAA budget title, but that's one of the reasons you get Platinum Platinum Studios. They're able to do good polish, and with the right project, they well, okay, with the right project, they get good polish, and they hand in a good game, and they on time. They handed it on time. Mm -hmm. uh, this game was announced what two years ago, and it was delivered on time. Not common for Square Enix Japan these days. <laughs> um, so, and that's part of the thing with the gameplay too. Like when, or, or at the very beginning of this podcast, I said usually there's a dichotomy where people either you're either mostly story or you're mostly gameplay. Never the twain shall meet. It's like uh, again, I just recently played Tales from the Borderlands, and Telltale can write a damn good story. The mechanics are always lacking because the mechanic mechanics. It's kind of an insult to call them mechanics. It's not really like I mean. I mean, uh, it's it's a the, the Telltale games are are point and click adventure games at the most basic level. They want you to beat the game. At they're but they're a streamlined version of it. I actually kind of a, we're total tangent here. I appreciate the the Telltale, but I get what you're saying. There's not <laughs> a there's it's like something to do. To make you feel like you're involved in yeah. continuing the story. And I think there's a lot of merit to it, too, because I mean, the great thing about video games is just the interactivity. So, yeah, you could you could just make it a TV show. You could just make it a movie. That robs me of the involvement. Right. Um, but near Automata, I think a lot of, like, again, like the combat's not as deep as, say, DMC Devil May Cry, regular Devil May Cry, or Bayonetta. That is a choice. Because those games don't have the same level of customization. They're not focused on as much of the RPG mechanics. And also, you got the hacking going on. So there's technically more mechanics we're working with. So while they might have like a small brief mini-game in Bayonetta, where you're doing something like a railgun shooter, it's not as much of the game is done like that. Um, whereas they did a lot of work on it clearly in Nier Automata. And again, I guarantee you, it's probably a smaller team that worked on Near Automata in less right. time than Bayonetta got. So, you have a great story that is well put together with a pretty polished game. It doesn't feel like there's that sacrifice. It feels like if they gave Yoko Taro even more money and time, he'd probably pull out, with Platinum Games at least, a even better product, gameplay-wise, to match with that story. That is the advantage of the story is you don't need, you don't always need money to make a good story work. Right, right. And uh, hopefully, it seems like more so than the original near near Automata has been a little a bit of a hit. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Whereas the original, there was 
probably pretty iffy as this game was ever even going to get made. Yeah. The original Nier had sort of a cult following, but it wasn't a... I feel like Nier Automata has been given from day one a greater marketing push, too. Right. The announcement of it... Dragon Guard 3 never got an announcement like Nier Automata did. Right. Um, Nier didn't get that kind of an announcement. Right. And and let's, let's be serious. They cut out some of the... The cut some of the fat, yes, a, they did. Out of near, you know, near had a farming simulation, and they yeah. had a incredibly tedious series of fishing side quests. Yeah, and a can, text adventure. And while they have a slight ish text adventure moment in near Automata, they don't have they don't have it like near did. Right, you're not, but you're like you're not going home to check on your farm and like pick beats and things like that they they fishing isn't as big of a deal right in fact fishing i, I don't know fishing is more of an easter egg than anything else yeah it works a lot better than it did in uh the original near <laughs> and it actually works as they explain it actually do they ever explain it but uh, regardless after final fantasy 15 any fishing mini game in a game is a joke <laughs> so um but no i i really love this game and i and that's the thing, like Zelda Breath of the Wild, in terms of raw game design, yes, it does a lot of things to push how we view open world games. Most open world games are now going to feel like, well, honestly, like the repetitive mishmash of mechanics that are popular, like as, as they are. Um, Breath of the Wild feels like a breath of fresh air, but Nier Automata is a game that you can appreciate long after because of its story and because of the way it mixes with the gameplay so that is why right now it is my game of the year because i the more i think about it the more i want to go back and play it because the more i think i will be rewarded for going through again yeah i'm right there with you there's a lot of a lot of depth and the things that are lacking um uh, you guys may remember me reading about Final Fantasy XV at some point, um, which is a game that has... That's a funny way to say The Witcher 3. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's a game that has some of the same, in some ways, feel of near in terms of... The way it, they want to deliver the narrative. Right. Because it's Japanese. Right, right. But, but where that game, you could very clearly dock it points... For some of these technical gameplay story issues, Nier doesn't have that. You could say, well, this could be better, but it's there's nothing, there's no glaring issues with Nier. Everything is is well put together and well done, and even the weak points are still pretty strong. Well, there's also the fact that when you get right down to it, Final Fantasy 15, even when you know what's going on, is convoluted. It's not complex, it's convoluted. Near Automata is a complex narrative, but once you know everything, it's not difficult to understand. It's right. not confusing. It's, oh, that makes so much more sense, and these things actually make the story better. Yes. So, so I, I guess that's all we got to say. On that bombshell. We all should say, yeah. On that bombshell, that is A. Steve. Again, Go to facebook.com slash ramblepack64. Follow the page. See when I make new updates and write things. Um, Steve, you write for a site about heavy metal I, music? I, uh, pro- progressive rock and metal. Uh, the prog- It's The Prog Mind. The P-R-O-G Mind.com. Uh, I'm one of the featured writers, so I've write got a review every week. Do you have a byline anymore? I do have a byline now. you got a byline now. Yeah, you awesome. can find my reviews. Uh, what was the last one I played? I put up uh, Windrose and a band called... Uh, if you ever listened to Windrose. So, uh, You've been trying to get me to listen to Windrose. Symphonic folk metal. Uh, good stuff. And um, Bent Knee, which is more like indie pop quirky prog, which is <laughs> really cool. Uh, so stuff. So stuff. So you check check that out. Um, as usual, you can also find me www.gamertagged.net. And also, youtube.com slash ramblepack64. Remember, ramblepack is not spelled with a C. Um, ramblepack64. I'm currently working on a new video. I got the audio uh, and everything done. I'm just working on the ed- editing the video. 
which is going to be harder with the way things are in my life right now, but there should be a new video in July, so. Ooh. Ooh. What do you think we stream some Destiny 2 beta when that comes out? Probably not because of my current living situation. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe eventually we'll get to streaming. I maybe I'll stream some Destiny 2 beta. Maybe you will. <laughs> uh, I, I, not, maybe I'll try some for Extra Life, but we'll see. Anyways, thank you for listening, guys. I hope you have a great night. Remember to comment on whatever there is to comment on. Uh, Twitter.com uh, at C-C-E-S-A-R-A-N-O. Stalk me or not. Um, all right. That's it. Everybody have a good night. Good night. <laughs>